Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight of what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, we welcome in Tim Fitzgerald to help us get things going in the first hour. GoPowerCat.com publisher. You can find him on social media, Life of Fitz. Uh, Fitz, I made this joke as you put out there on our show announcement this morning that it's a doubleheader for you. You're going to oncology and then the basketball game, and I, I yeah. hope that and I hope that that oncology appointment is worse and that this game delivers the hype. I think there's a lot of hype here, and we should get a great game, right? Well, you know, Kansas State's turned into a box of chocolates. Uh, you, That's true. You so is Wichita State. And you got you, you got the crappy one the other night against Nebraska. That that flavor that you bite into and you're like ah. And uh, I'll take an oncology visit over that any day. <laughs> so I was afraid of, but we won't get that. We're go- we're going to get a good game, Fitz. We're going to get a good nope. game. I we got to start where we where we I, I guess unintentionally probably stirred the hornet's nest a bit last week um, with your assessment on. Uh, the the real danger involved with Jerome Tang's future. You have since had a chance to talk with him. He was available between now and then. Yeah. Anything else that you know that you're gathering that would back you off of you know a 95 percent chance that he would be gone at the end of the season? Is that number lessened based on what you've heard, or wh- what's the latest there? Um, it's probably lessened, but it's also hard to read right now because. Uh, he is attempting to move on and, and worry about his team, you know, worry about what he has in front of him instead of, uh, you know, that fight for now. And uh, I think everyone in athletics was exhausted by it, uh, and they're kind of ready to move on. I am too. I'm, I would look. I, I cover sports. I want to cover sports, and, and that was a that's that's still an ugly story, and there's a lot more to it. But um, uh, yeah, I've just. I, I was just dismayed at the reaction of some people, to be honest, that I stated as a fact that he was leaving. And I'm like, I never came close to that. But I do think the chances are still greatly in favor of his departure, uh, in part because uh, 
I know what Louisville's going to do. They're going to come after him. They're going to fire Kenny Payne here uh, at any moment. You know, he's not making it to the end of the season. And at that time, I'm sure Louisville will be up in the ear of Jerome Tang's agent. Um, and so that that's one to be concerned about. And that's, you know, that's probably true whether you have that situation or not. But um, I, I've heard rumors are going to throw so much money at him. It's, He's got to be really in love with Kansas State to stay. So we'll see how it all plays out. But I'm glad I get a return to covering basketball uh, tonight. Yeah, what the hell happened against Nebraska, Fitz? Um, I, we had talked a week ago about the resilience of this team, playing multiple overtime games, then really with relative ease, I would say, dispatching LSU. And then they had basically an entire week to rest and regroup and get ready for this game against Nebraska at home inside Bramlage. They led at halftime, but they only scored 12 points in the second half, got out-rebounded. Is this a game that you just kind of wad up and throw in the trash can and try to move on from? Or are there some legitimate concerns here moving forward? Well, the rebounding was a concern. Like, some nights you don't shoot the ball well. That's just the reality of basketball at any level. Sometimes you make them and sometimes you don't. The whole team didn't. I mean, 12 points in the second half, and that included their final three being free throws. They, they didn't hit a field goal in the final five. Um, but that wasn't the problem. The problem was getting outworked and out-rebounded and out-hustled by Nebraska. Uh, they came out in the second half with an effective game plan hitting the offensive boards and executed it. I didn't see K-State respond. Um, they, they let their shooting affect everything else in their game, which you can't do. Um, and as Jerome Tang said, I think it was just one of those nights where we weren't going to win. And, and you know, the, what's amazing is Nebraska played extremely hard. Um, they rebounded well, but I don't think Nebraska played that well. So, I mean, to you know, lose – Double digits to that team, you know, when they're not even playing well, says how miserable you were. It was dreadful. I mean, I've never really seen anything like it. It was just pathetic shooting, but then just getting beaten to death on the offensive boards. Nebraska's offensive boards was painful to watch because those are that's effort. That's not that's not the the fortune of making a shot. That's just pure effort, and they, they didn't get it done. So, when you look at the Jekyll and Hyde nature of it, though, like, what what do you point to? Like, what is correctable? I was very surprised to see this line fall in at five and a half points. I thought it would probably be a little bit bigger. I don't know what to make of that. Um, it, it's an, you know, is, is what went wrong against Nebraska immediately correctable and an, and an outlier, or is it a symptom of a larger problem, do you think? Uh, don't know. I mean, if, if they perpetuate some of these issues against Wichita State, they've got Chicago State coming up uh, in early January before Big 12 play. Guys are running out of time. I mean, they're going to be in the Big 12 here pretty soon fighting for their lives uh, if they don't discover their identity. And that's really what it's about. They're, they're a collection of, of pieces here, uh, and they don't have a Marquise Noel right now that sews everything together, a true point guard that – this will be the last game they play without Quez Glover, one of their transfers who injured his knee in the exhibition game. He'll be back here after the start of the year. They, they hope he helps kind of sew things together. But, you know, Tyler Perry's an outstanding guard, but he's never really been a point guard. 
and now he's being asked to do it, and it kind of looks like it at times. And uh, this team just is really kind of searching for who it is right now and if they can uh, alter their course. And I think tonight's game is a huge answer to that. Do you have concerns long-term about the shooting from this team, especially long-distance shooting? You know, this season, Kansas State shooting about 30% from three. And like you mentioned a couple of minutes ago, they, they didn't shoot the ball well against Nebraska. Do you think that that's a, you know, just kind of a one-night thing when they didn't you know, shoot the ball particularly well? Or are there some legitimate concerns with their long-range shooting? Well, here's the disconnect. Tyler Perry has proven himself at the Division One level to be a really good shooter, and he's not. Um, Arthur Columas, you know, had a three-, four-game tear there for three-point range in which he was brilliant, and he wasn't. Cam Carter was tearing it up in practice to the point where Coach Tang said, you know, I think we've got a really good shooting team based on all of this, and and he didn't shoot the ball well. So um, it's better not be a, a situation of bright lights scaring this team um, because that's all you're going to get in the Big 12. And you're going to get that tonight in T-Mobile in a big crowd. I hear it's uh, one of the bigger crowds for one of these Wildcat Classics. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this team proceeds. And I, I think, you know, have, now knowing they don't have Naquan Tomlin, uh, I thought at LSU kind of showed that we were moving on. But, boy, they look like a team looking for Naquan to come help them against Nebraska. And he's not coming to help. He's in Memphis now. Well, let's talk about that part of this matchup, too. So Wichita State is, and I don't know how much time you've had to pay attention to Wichita State, probably not a ton, but they have been in a stretch here. And they had, look, they had a really exciting win over Southern Illinois, but the reality is we probably all thought it should be a little bit bigger. They have run into a stretch now on their end where the bigs aren't providing much offense. And if you looked at this matchup on paper, at least in my amateur I looked at this matchup on paper, I would tell you that Wichita State has an opportunity to have a big advantage down low here with their two bigs uh, going up against K-State's bigs, but they haven't been there offensively. Can K-State, let's assume that let's assume that those two, Kenny Poto and, and Quincy Ballard, can provide some offense like we've seen at other times this year. How have K-State's bigs been defensively this year, and is that a potential problem for K-State? They've been good. They, they had problems with Nebraska's big because he was more of a traditional, um, you know, high skill, wide shouldered. You're not going to move him. Uh, he's going to, you know, take that 10, 15 foot jumper. He's going to score around the basket. He's going to rebound. They couldn't move him. So Will McNair couldn't get around him offensively, defensively. That wasn't really the problem. It was once the, board, the ball went up off the board, then they couldn't contain him because he would just muscle his way to the ball. Um, so that is interesting. They brought in McNair to try to slow some of that, and we'll see if he's effective tonight. Um, and, you know, they can get maybe a little bit better play from David Gasson, who has really hit a, a stretch of poor play uh, that we didn't see last year, and he's got to get through it. This is a question, Fitz, that uh, is not about the game at all but more about the relationship between Jerome Tang and Paul Mills. It's been a lot of fun to read about their friendship that dates back decades and their families are friends and all of that. And, you know, of course, spent a ton of time together on the Baylor bench. And now they're both leading their own programs and they're facing off against each other tonight. 
what do you know about their relationship and and what is it going to be what is it going to mean do you think for Jerome Tang to face off against his good friend Paul Mills tonight yeah I imagine it'll be a lot like when he plays Scott Drew a little bit uncomfortable you know a little uh a little brotherly love but it's hard to beat him like that um yeah first of all brilliant hire by Wichita State I mean I uh, I, I think the world of this coaching tree, what's being you know developed by Scott Drew is uh, these are really good basketball coaches, and uh, they seem to understand the construction of a locker room and and all the things that really goes together with you know winning basketball games. It's not about the X's and O's and the athletes. There's there's a lot of mental uh, nourishment there that has to take place. And I see Drew do, and I see Tang do. Uh, and I, I've seen a lot of other coaches do that. So I'm excited to see how this unfolds tonight with these two coaches meeting. Uh, let's let's talk a little football here, Fitz. So the transfer portal – well, let me ask you this, actually, as a quick aside, because we haven't seen the official announcement, only the reports. From what you know, like Will Howard's headed to USC, right? That's happening? I, I think so, but again um, – you know, the, the lack of official reports is, is interesting. It's just been a lot of uh, people trying to beat the rush, you know, that they think it's going to happen, so they'll claim they have a source. But nothing credible so far. Um, I think that's where it ended end up. Maybe there's a layer of recruiting in here we don't know about. Maybe they want to get um, a quarterback signed because their Avery Johnson hit the portal. Uh, that, that kid went running. When they when he heard that they were going to bring in a veteran quarterback, uh, so now they've got the shortage in their locker room in their quarterback room. So maybe they're trying to find someone and they don't want to scare them off. I don't know. There's a, the coaches. Excuse me. The coaches are going through a huge balance here with attempting to you know build their roster, but not bring people in with from the portal that are going to scare off players on their roster. And it, it's just a it, it's a Rubik's cube with no solution right now for coaches. Every time they seem to move apart, something else gets out of whack. So, now I think he'll end up there. It's an interesting landing spot. Uh, but, you know, he'll play Penn State, and which is, you know, being from Pennsylvania is probably pretty cool. Um, I, I think it'll be interesting, too, what Lincoln Riley could do with Will Howard. We're uh, exactly a week away from the Wildcats Bowl game, the Pop-Tarts Bowl, NC State, next Thursday. What do preparations look like right now a week out and knowing that in between now and the game, we've got Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. What does that look like for the Wildcats? Well, they'll be practicing through all of that. They leave the 23rd, um, which, guys, that's Saturday, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's incredible. that They had their staff Christmas party last night after signing day. And then they had 7 a.m. office call for early morning practice. Uh, so it's it's just a time of year for both teams that everything's overlapped with recruiting, the portal, coaches leaving, hiring coaches. And, oh, yeah, trying to get ready for that bowl game with scouting and all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, we're, we're a week out from game day. I mean, it's essentially if, the, if you think of game week as Saturday's the game, it's Saturday. It's it's prior game so uh tomorrow would be the the natural time when they go into full preparation for the next opponent and it's speaking up pretty fast it's just crazy it's crazy what do you think of the bowl game i i I know we ask this a lot is this 
Is this a motivated team? Is K-State going to be one of the motivated teams here? Yeah. I assume that they are with the Avery Johnson, you yep. know, story out there. But th- th- there's very little chance that this is one of those dud games, right? Like, we expect a big game from them. Yeah, I, I think they're going to be fine. You're going to get what you get with young players. You're going to get a lot of effort and mistakes. And, you know, Chris Kleiman told me yesterday on our uh, – recruiting show we did live on YouTube that, you know, he's excited and a little bit um, nervous about what he'll see. Uh, But he's really concerned about how these guys prepare for the game. That'll be an indicator to him how they're going to do next season. These guys are all business and understand the preparation has to take daily steps to get you ready for the game day. And they handle that. I think he's going to be pleased no matter what happens, unless it's just horrific. Uh, But the good news for Avery is got some key offensive weapons still with him, um, but he's got his offensive line. He's got that that crew, that veteran group that's been together so long that protect him, at least in this game, and uh, I, I think they're going to be okay. Uh, we'll find out. NC State's had some transfer portal issues, and, and uh, everyone goes through it right now, so these games are kind of like shuffling a deck of cards. You don't know what cards you're going to get on top. Uh, all right, Fitz. Uh, well, digest this. Brett McMurphy uh, reporting here in the last 15 minutes, probably while you've been on the road, that Florida State is starting the process of leaving the ACC, not really talking about it, that it will be a massive uh, change. McMurphy describes it as an Oppenheimer-like ripple effect through college. Uh, you know, Big Ten or the SEC would be preferred. Yeah. The Big 12 could be an option, it says. What a grab for the Big 12 it would be, and maybe this is the thing. Uh, that that it's that final chapter of realignment headed in the right direction, uh, and if it is, it's it's nobody's fault except for the CFP for leaving them out of the playoff. But digest that a little bit while you're sitting in oncology. Hang in there. We're always thinking yeah. about you in that world, in that realm, and uh, you know, get through that and enjoy a fantastic basketball game tonight. Um, do you have any? Do you have any? Uh, real quick, anything like GoPowerCat.com we need to know about for folks out there right now. And we've got up on our YouTube channel, Go Power Cat. You can find our live we did. We had the exclusive Chris Lyman interview, and then my guys dug into the class quite a bit. We've got all of our typical coverage, but today everything on the side is ramping up for this hoops game, and we're at 60% off through the bowl game. So if you're interested in Go Power Cat, perfect time to sign up. And I'll say this about Florida State. Florida State, Clemson, um, you know, maybe Virginia Tech, who am I forgetting, Miami. This is a Big 12's final opportunity to try to close the football gap. And if one guy can pull it off, it's Brett Yormark. I certainly don't expect it to happen, but he's been working on it uh, to try to bring in some really elevated brands of football and close that gap with those other two conferences. Hey, Fitz, want to jump in real quick. Uh, thinking about you, man. Hope everything goes well today uh, at your appointment. Yeah, all routine, all routine. Hopefully she'll say, still no signs of active cancer. Uh, leave my office, you're ugly. That's the best <laughs> outcome I want. That's, that's not bad. That's not bad. All right, Fitz, uh, drive safe. Good luck. We'll look for your reporting tonight on the game, Wichita State, K-State, from the K-State perspective. Uh, we will talk again next week. Thanks, boys. Great to talk to you. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. Uh, GoPowerCat.com publisher. You can find him on social media at Life of Fitz. Always good stuff there. Interesting stuff. Fitz takes the interesting approach, which is, in my opinion, all we can ask for in these things. Okay. 
we just mentioned it. Uh, Brett McMurphy with, and he's not the only one. It's been floating around there this morning. His is a little bit more specific on this Florida State story. Uh, So we'll get into that, as it certainly could impact the Big 12 and certainly would and will, when it inevitably happens, affect college sports in totality. We'll hit it next on Sports Daily. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here. Uh, so, Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you. Let's Before we get into this Florida State story, let's let's do our giveaway right now. Everybody on your toes. On your toes. 869-1240. We'll give away some HTO Brewhouse coffee, hot iced coffee, espresso, specialty drinks, all your favorites, the milk options, the you know non-dairy options. It's all there for you. Check it out. Go inside. We'll give you two free brew house coffees. Those will be good for either the East Wichita HTO location or the HTO location in Derby. You can get those two uh, free brew house coffees right now by calling us on the IHOP hotline, 869-1240. Santa Jad will get you taken care of. All right, Tommy, uh, lots of reports out now that Florida State, and we knew this, there's been smoke with Florida State even before this season. Uh, Certainly more smoke and fire since Florida State was shamefully snubbed from the CFP despite an unbeaten season and you know a lot of different metrics that would tell you they deserve to be there but they're not and they're mad and they're angry and you know if they were they weren't already looking for a way out which we know that they were they certainly are now because what's the point honestly like what's the point of being in the ACC if you can go unbeaten there and not make the playoff and I know the playoffs expanding and this is a this year problem only but it looks like they're going to get this done, and it will probably shake things up. And they've been looking for a way to do this for a long time anyway. So the question really does become, and it always has been this question, when the ACC inevitably loses some teams, are they SEC teams? Are they Big Ten teams? Are they potentially Big 12 teams? Or is the ACC able to do something on its own to maybe grab other teams? So the, the shakeup is going to come. We don't know in what capacity. This is, you know, Florida State leading the charge, and I think they'll ultimately get this done. I I wish I understood the timeline a little bit better. You know, there was a point where, and I I talked to Dennis Dodd about this on CBS Sports Radio, probably, it, it must have, it had to have been early, early in the season. And he didn't think at that time that Florida State brought enough to the SEC specifically because they have such a presence in Florida anyway. He pointed, you know, maybe to areas where they don't like North Carolina or uh, Virginia, perhaps like trying to reach footprints they don't already have. I would imagine uh, that that will have changed now because of Florida State season they just had and the fact that they are bringing in, uh, I think, a top five recruiting class this year. So their brand has expanded in the last, you know, six months, certainly. So it, it really does become a question of, does the SEC want them? Because I think that's always going to be option one. The Big Ten should want them. They, they absolutely would be good for the Big Ten, but I don't, you know, who knows? And and I mean, for the Big 12, it would be the coup of the century to, to get some of these pro, high-profile ACC teams. I think probably, if I had a guess, Tommy, and this is a guess, obviously we're not talking to people in the ACC, I would guess that the top-end teams, Florida State, Clemson, North Carolina, probably Virginia, uh, Miami, 
end up in the SEC or the Big Ten. And then it's those other schools where the Big 12 could swoop in. Does that really, you know, strengthen the football brand? I don't know. It certainly strengthens the basketball brand, uh, which is a which is a win also. But it is strength in numbers a little bit. Do you think the Big 12 has any chance to get any of these premier programs? Probably not. Probably not at the top end. Uh, now, uh, backing up what Fitz said, if anybody could get something done, it's Brett Yormark. We've watched him be a wizard over the last couple of uh, couple of years with conference realignment. But I don't think the top-tier teams are realistic to think about coming over from the ACC to the Big 12. I think I kind of back up your thoughts on this. Once the top tier four or five teams find a new home, whether it's the SEC or the Big 10, it wouldn't shock me if the ACC for self-preservation does what the the Pac-12 wouldn't do. And they try to figure out a way to stay viable. And that might be a merger with the Big 12. And then at that point, you're looking at teams like Pitt and NC State and, you know, some other schools that are in that, you know, maybe in the mid-tier to low-tier ACC schools. And then you've got some regional matchups like West Virginia is already in the Big 12, and then it makes sense and they can play Pitt, you know, and it'll be a conference game. Like there are some some logistical, geographical matchups that make some sense. I'm going to go a little bit of a step further here, I think. You mentioned the top-tier schools going to either the SEC or the Big 10. I think they go to the SEC. I know that at one point it didn't really maybe make a whole lot of sense because of their presence. But at this point, like the, the SEC, like the rich, can, the rich can just get richer. And I think that that's something that Greg Sankey is going to be looking at. I mean, think about all of a sudden you've got matchups that are conference matchups between Florida State and Georgia, Florida State and Alabama, Miami and Georgia. Like just different matchups like that regionally that would beat Clemson and you know, Georgia, like that becomes a conference matchup. That would be, I think that would be a lot of fun. And especially when you look at the networks involved, ESPN is getting ready to look at, or they're getting ready to start their SEC coverage. They would love to have a matchup like Clemson and Georgia. That's a conference game, right? You know, and so I think that that's really where it's going to be the driving factor. I know that maybe it didn't make logistical sense a few months ago. I think it definitely does now for the SEC. Well, so I I wonder, like, the one thing that I would wonder aloud about is the availability to get in in the Big 12 could possibly be easier than the others because of the way that TV contract was built, right? And that, you know, I think they can be added at full money, you know, just the way that contract was designed. And I don't know that the others have that flexibility. So it could be just an ease of the process as much as anything else. And when we talk about rivalries— we act like with college sports rivalries, new ones can't be created. But just think about how crazy that sounds, right? Like, are are the Chiefs and Bills not a rivalry now? That's never been a rivalry before. But it's the rivalry we probably most look forward to. And we don't really care about, you know, Chiefs, Raiders right now because that you know like sometimes rivalries are just brewed with with success in the in the high stakes of of games and so yeah if Florida State and Georgia are going to stay awesome then they're that's going to become a rivalry game if Florida State and you know Kansas or Kansas State were consistently at the top of a Big 12 like that they'd become rivals that's just the way that works so I, I think we overlook that too and just let 
what we've seen over the past few years be our guiding force on that this change is okay for our just from like our enjoyment's sake. We're going to still enjoy this, right? We're going to still love this. We pretended like the transfer portal was going to ruin the sport. I don't think it hurt your viewing experience at all this past season. We've pretended like realignment's going to hurt the sport. I would imagine that next year's conference in the Big 12 will be as fun or more than any we've ever had in the Big 12. So, like, it's all going to be okay, and I, I feel like we should just embrace this, and I hope that the Big 12 can be a player in whatever this – again, I think it's the final phase of this, and it it's always involved the ACC, and it's probably coming quicker than, you know, maybe it would have. I just hope the Big 12 – can get in on that action somehow. And I don't even really care what it is. I mean, I would prefer that it's the top ends, but just in some capacity, because the optics of that are strong, right? The optics of the Big 12 being a power player in realignment are important, I think, for the future of the league. The one thing that we know about Brett Yormark is that he's aggressive. He's not going to sit on the sidelines and sit on his hands and not do anything. And even if it doesn't ultimately come to pass that anything happens with the Big 12, you better believe he's going to try to be a player in this. And, and we may not know. I mean, they may end up, all, you know, the ACC may figure out a way to stay relevant or go a different direction, whatever. Maybe it's only the SEC and the Big 10 that reap the benefits of what ends up happening with the ACC. But you better believe your mark is going to be involved. He's going to try, and he's going to be aggressive. That's one thing we know about this guy. And really, you know, he believes, number one, I think he continues to believe that the Big 12 is undervalued. But on top of that, if it hadn't been for his aggressiveness, there would not be a Big 12. And I think he understands that. And I think that he knows that even though he probably feels pretty good about where the Big 12 is now compared to where it was a couple of years ago, that doesn't mean you just stop. It doesn't mean that you just give up and you're like, hey, we're good, we're done, we're not doing anything else. I think you've always got to explore whatever kind of scenario that is. And yeah, if I'm your mark, I'm going to shoot big. I'm going to go try to pitch Florida State. I'm going to go say, look, like... Oh, absolutely. I think he's been pitching Florida State for a long time already anyway. Here's what we can do for you, and, you know, let's bring Miami in, and let's bring Clemson in, and let's bring North Carolina in, and whatever, you know, some of those other top-tier schools in the conference. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but again, the one thing we know about your mark is that he is not afraid to go out there and be bold and try to find these solutions. Yeah, I, I, I th- that stuff has been happening, right? Like, there's no question it's been happening. Of course it's been happening. He's been having these conversations. There is a basketball component to it all, I think. I think the chances are low that the big-tier guys come over to the Big 12, and I think that's okay. I think you just need to, you know, there is a place for everybody else that is very similar to what the Big 12 is currently going to look like. And I hope that. And again, scheduling, like all that stuff's easy. Now you have East-West, or you have three divisions, East-West Central, like whatever you need to do. It's all... Hell, you could go Northwest, East-South. You could go four different divisions if you, you wanted could, to do that. You could, and then have a semifinal, have your own conference yep. semifinal. And, and it would be incredible, and it would be better for the networks, and it would be like a CFP before the CFP. Yep. Like, it'll be fine. Here's the other it, thing to keep in mind about that, stuff. that I want to mention is that, well, the other thing about your mark is that 
while he is aggressive, he's not reckless. He's not just going to add a bunch of schools just for the sake of adding a bunch of schools. Remember, Oregon State and Washington State are still out there, right? They, they're still in the quote-unquote Pac-12. There well, was a lot of play basketball. It sounds in the Mountain like in the West. WCC yeah, or, or WCC. I think yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, it, he could have very easily been like, "All right, I guess you guys can come over too." You know, so we can add a couple of schools. If there are ACC schools that he doesn't feel like are of value to them, then he's not going to add them. So maybe, well, unless they stand in solidarity right. together, but which it, they could, you know. But in, unless they're, I don't know. I could see a scenario where the top tier ACC schools go somewhere else and your mark took a shot with them and was aggressive and, and it didn't play out. And then he goes, yeah, we're not really interested in the lower tier schools. I don't know. That could, that could happen too, because he kind of did the same thing with Oregon state and Washington state with the PAC 12. I think that's the wrong play. If that is the, if that is, you know, out there and on the table, um, I, I don't think that would be smart. Because I do think that you worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole. Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Don't want the ACC to then become bigger and better, right? That that would be not good. So, and just to like put into perspective, so if Clemson, North Carolina, Florida State, um, are 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 a part of that, I, I think people. General and I don't know again. I don't know enough about the history there, but I think people generally consider Virginia in that group and and Miami probably. Out, outside of that, you still have Louisville sitting there, which has to me always been a a Big Twelve type school. Um, NC State, Georgia Tech, which has a huge academic component to them. Virginia Tech, Duke. Are you kidding me? Uh, Boston College, not that interesting. Syracuse certainly is. Pittsburgh certainly is, and Wake Forest is. I think Louisville is too. I think Louisville is an interesting oh, I, school. Louisville's where I started. No, oh, Louisville okay. would yeah, be yeah. the Louisville to me has always made sense. They feel like a Big Twelve. Always have felt like a Big Twelve school yeah. to me. Um, but you know, so you've you've got all of that in play too. I think there's plenty of value in adding those teams. I think it lets you have way too attractive of a television package not to end up in the conversations that you need to be in if you go that route. And so I do think there's strength in numbers. Well, um, by the way, be a couple in there. What maybe, do you think? I mean, I don't know how attractive Wake Forest is. What do you think happens potentially to these other schools that have announced that they're joining the ACC? SMU, Stanford, Cal. Like those are schools that have announced to join point. that conference, you know? I don't know. 
I don't know. I guess they become available again. Look, I I do think there's a chance that the ACC gets aggressive just like the Big 12 did, right? If those if those schools leave and you're the ACC trying to be aggressive, the first thing you do is you call probably the American and you call some of these other leagues and you try to get big. And that, and that worked for the Big 12. It did. Um, and, and maybe there's an appetite for that. And I, and then you have four power leagues. Because let's be real, an ACC minus its top-tier teams plus you know the best of the American or whatever it is looks an awful lot like the Big 12. I would still say the Big 12 is better. But not by a not by a just like some massive margin. I mean, certainly the additions of the Pac-12 schools help. But if we're just being honest about the situation, there could be room for four of these leagues, and the ACC being the fourth just in a different look than it currently has. I, I think what's what's apparent is Florida State doesn't fit right. Florida State is probably, and it's not to the level of like Texas and Oklahoma, and that's where I think people have struggled with Florida State and where they would fit, because they're not Texas or Oklahoma. And that's what the SEC wanted. But are they Washington and Oregon, which is ultimately what the Big Ten took on? Probably so. Probably. I think, you know, I would venture to guess that Oregon and Florida State are very comparable brands, right? So we'll see. I don't think, again, I think that if you're Florida State, the Big 12 is obviously your third choice, right? Because there's more money to be had in the SEC and the Big Ten. That's yeah. math, right? Yeah. It, it is what it is. And I, again, I think your mark knows that. I think he probably knows going into it, hey, we're going to be their third choice. They're, they're going to go SEC or Big Ten before they come to us. So let's try to find a way to move up in those standings. And I don't exactly know how he goes about it, but you, you better believe he's going to pitch it. Watch basketball, because we don't know really where those conversations are with what could happen with basketball and how much value that brings, both on the men's and women's side, by the way. That could be some sort of X factor we don't really understand yet, uh, but who knows? I mean, that's something that he's certainly pitching. It's something he's certainly paying attention to, and I think it could be awesome and maybe a reason that you the Big 12 becomes close to as attractive as these other places because ultimately I think if you take that basketball brand and combine it with a lesser football deal, those overall dollars are probably going to be close. We'll see. 869-1240, your thoughts on it. We'll come back. We'll give you maybe – it's it's a it's an impossible task. We can try to predict K-State, Wichita State tonight to some degree, and, uh, and certainly Thursday night football. Still plenty to come here on Sports Daily on a Thursday. Tommy just sent me uh, or sent out to the world, I guess, on social media a video. I get did Patrick Mahomes buy his entire offensive line golf carts. Yeah, and I want to know where my Christmas gift is from you. Um, I want to know when you line us up a golf cart uh, provider here on the program, and we'll gladly accept golf cart NIL. I'm just saying, uh, don't you consider yourself the quarterback of this program, and I'm kind of your offensive line? I just want to know where my golf cart is. I got a good arm. You're supposed uh, to buy hands, me a golf cart. That's the way that it works. My hands, my hands were my greatest football attribute. Uh, my size became my downfall in football. I was a pretty good football player until everybody outgrew me. Like when we were little, uh, I, I, you know, I, I was an asset, and then 
And then as I've gotten older, I've turned, I guess, more into just an ass. But, you know, it's <laughs> it's been, you know, you get outgrown. I, I laugh about one of my nephews is is short. And I, I, I think I'm probably average height, but I'm pretty scrawny, right? And, like, I remember growing up, everyone's like, oh, you'll hit your growth spurt. And I'm like, oh, okay. And it just never happened. Like, everyone else just got a little bigger, and I never did. You know, I was the fastest before uh, everybody, else, you know, puberty came. Thanks a lot. Um no, I, I I don't know if I'm the quarterback or a wide receiver, uh, diva receiver, maybe. You know, are you, are you one of the Chiefs receivers and you drop the ball pretty consistently? Is that what you're saying? No, my hands are not a problem. Okay. I have great hands. I will say that. Uh, I will say that. All right, let's let's preview tonight's basketball game, Wichita State, K State. We we talked about it from a K State perspective with Fitz. I I've you know the, the I don't know how else to look at it other than to say I think Wichita State can have an advantage if they get some offense out of their bigs. We haven't seen that in the last couple of games. I do think that's the path for Wichita State. I don't think, and again, this is very this is as unpredictable a basketball game as I can remember. But I don't think that the Shockers want to go blow for blow with the K State guards as much as we've loved the job that Colby Rogers, Xavier Bell, Harbin, Harlan Beverly have done. I, I don't think that's the that's going to be at least the way this thing is designed out. I think if you're trying to find a shocker advantage, it would come through Kenny Poto, you know, offensively and then in totality between he and Ballard trying to shake things up down low. I think. I I, I mean, this is hard to to get a grasp of. Look, I think that the shockers maybe do want to go up against the Wildcat guards and force them into bad shots. You know, we talked about it with Fitz. K-State has not shot the belt the ball well from long distance. They're like 301st in the nation in shooting threes. And so if you can challenge that and force Kansas State into bad shots from three, then I think that's going to be an advantage for Wichita State. Also, Wichita State is just a, a better rebounding team, I think, than Kansas State is. If they can win the rebounding battle, that was really the detriment of Kansas State against Nebraska last weekend. They did not rebound the ball well. So I don't necessarily know if you need to have a ton of offensive production in this particular game from Poto and Ballard. I think you just need them to rebound the ball well and win the rebounding battle against They've the done Wildcats. They've that all year. And then they, at that I mean, point, they, the, I think Wichita State's a good lose. rebounding team, so I think that that's good yeah, right, for yeah. them. And so if you can win that rebounding battle against a team that struggled recently in rebounding, yeah. that's going to that's gonna set up well for Wichita State. I like the Shockers in this game, honestly. I like Wichita State, uh, maybe even on the money line, to outright win. I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm going to give the nod to Wichita State. Yeah, I like that. I mean, a team that misses shots, you certainly want to rebound the ball well. So I like that. I think if you, you know, it's like if you're looking at it from betting, you know, it's five, do you want the five and a half points? Do you want the money line at plus 185? I kind of like I the think money line. Prob- I, 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 I typically do, but I think the points could be handy. These are two teams that are not adverse to playing close games, which is why the points might be attractive. But plus 185 is pretty dang good. And um, here's the other thing, too, to do- point out is that, you know, and Fitz mentioned it, right now the Wildcats don't have a Marquise Noel-type player. They can kind of tie it all together. Tyler Perry's the well, closest they, to that, I think. I mean, they think they do. They think right, they do, but, Tyler but, Perry, but Perry's not really performing there. at that level over the last couple of games. Uh, now, you know, I think it's if you get into a situation where you need a clutch shot if you're Kansas State, you're obviously probably still going to Tyler Perry. Uh, but I, I just I think that 
knowing their struggles in shooting from deep and their struggles in rebounding, I'm going to give the advantage to Wichita State. I don't know who I give the advantage to. I really don't. Like, I, I can't remember a basketball game that I've struggled to just, like, come up with some, like, some way to look at. I really don't know. I, I need, Both teams are capable of shooting the three well. Wichita State has sort of just said, nope, we're not doing that. And 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 they are telling us that that's not what they want to do. I mean, Rodgers can, but K-State, I think, kind of has to still try. Right, I think K State needs to be a three point shooting team, and they're probably just going to shoot right through it. If they get hot, if K State shoots well, then I then I really like K State in this game. Well, look, but and, they and they've done that. They led Nebraska at halftime last weekend, and then they put yeah. up a put up a dud in the second half and only scored twelve points. You know, so and we've seen that back and forth between the Wildcats. One half is pretty good usually, another half isn't. It's been difficult for them to string together a full forty minutes of basketball. And, and I think that, I, I look, I'm very bullish on the direction of the Shocker basketball program right now. However, I don't want to get overexcited about a one-point win at home against Southern Illinois either. So, I guess my question becomes, if K-State doesn't play that second half, what do you think this line is? Like, if they just don't have that dud second seven, half. Seven, maybe? Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's, it would move a couple of points at least. So that that also gives me pause too. Um, I don't like the five and a half. So I guess if I had to take a line, I would probably take the five and a half. But I I would probably take K State to win the game. We'll see. I love it. I'm excited for it. I really hope it delivers and is a fun game. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.